0: You make it sound like the only time you faced legal action was from Ashton Kucha. I mean, that's such a low number for just listening to you in the last few minutes, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Miha, we better get a good lawyer.
1: Welcome to See Africa, Breathe Africa, a weekly podcast made to bring responsible travel closer to you. It's moderated by a travel consultant and cultural tourism expert, Miha Logar in Rwanda, and an Afrofusion musician, Joe Kahiri in Uganda. In this episode, they're laughing with Jane Busman, the writer of The Worst Date Ever, or How It Took a Comedy Writer to Expose Africa's Secret War. Get to know this trio better in the show notes. See Africa.
0: Breathe Africa.
1: Have you ever considered volunteering in Africa or donating to a charity feeding hungry children, schooling orphans, or such? After listening to Jane Busman, you might get some second thoughts. Suffering from a massive crush, Ms. Busman followed a hot and rather famous humanitarian into Uganda in 2005. She learned a little new about him, but a lot about Joseph Kony, the black magic rebel who terrorized children with his Lord's resistance army. In the forsaken north of the country, Jane stayed at the cheap guest houses, but explored the international world of the most expensive hotel of Gulu town. Her conclusions go beyond any city, region, country, or continent. Ready for some strong language? Beeping Jane out would have been inappropriate. Well,
2: ladies and gentlemen, here we go again. And our guest for tonight, her name is Jane. I'll tell you a little bit about Jane. So, from British comedy to the east of Africa, we don't expect any political correctness here, but it's such a pleasure to hang out with her. She's done it all, been around the world. She's been in L.A. interviewing all of them celebrities, and she's been in Uganda, She'll tell us what she came to do. <laughs> but well, well, she's got quite quite a story to tell when we see Africa, breathe Africa and see Africa, yeah. Yeah, le, 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 le. see Africa, breathe Africa and see Africa, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm gonna hand the microphone over to my co-host, Miha, and he's gonna introduce us to her. So, Miha can you take it away?
3: Jane, we've invited you because... You have experience in the field that is tricky. And that is the field of volunteer tourism, of charity workers and all that other stuff that we could generally group under white saviors.
4: I, I think like a lot of people, Africa symbolized the way that I could make up for being such a shit person. That I would have to go to Africa and do something good uh, instead of just improving my life. I was working in Hollywood and I'd gone there to work in movies that the only job I could get was interviewing Hollywood celebrities. It got so bad that I would just go along to the meetings. I would be drunk already and I'd say things like, wow, you look amazing. What's your secret? And then they just start talking and I just sort of fall asleep. And I was interviewing Ashton Kutcher and I wrote this stuck up piece about what an amazing person he was. And it was so boring that my editor changed it to, to say something very rude about Demi Moore. They decided to try and sort of state, take legal action against me. And it, it sort of went downhill from there. And I decided to try and go to Africa. And then I came across this bloke in a magazine who was uh, doing great stuff in Africa. He was a peacemaker in Africa and he was trying to uh, talk peace with the Lord's Resistance Army. And I thought, that's brilliant. I will go to Africa, write about him, and then we'll probably get married and save the world together and it'll be great. Uh, but when I got there, the bloke had gone home without telling me.
3: Who is this bloke? Can you please mention his name?
4: Yeah, he's called John Prendergast and he was a peacemaker and he specialised in conflict resolution. Isn't he in some
3: unfortunate way the ultimate white saviour? Like, why do we need Americans bringing peace to Africa? <laughs>
4: Well, I think, as far as I'm concerned, there wasn't a great deal of PC he brought, was there? <laughs> and I was stuck. So I had no choice but to actually do some work for a change. And I started researching the uh, Ugandan army's attempts to stop Joseph Kony and it very quickly became clear that they weren't so much stopping him as encouraging him to go on and that it was quite a nice little earner for everyone involved, including the charities. The great profit in this non-profit industry was their fucking great lifestyles.
3: In your summary of the book, uh, I I was missing one part, which is important to our topic here. You did try to be a volunteer teacher for a little while, right? How did that come about?
4: Uh, because I needed something to do. And you know, like all idiots in Africa, I thought, I know, I'll go and educate the villagers. They'll be really grateful for me. It's like, what? You don't know anything. You failed your A-levels. Anyway, so I I stood up and I had this lesson. I was going to teach these kids screenwriting. I was like, "Uh, okay, so this is the story. There's a hero and he has a problem. And write a story. So all these kids get out their exercise books and they all write it and they all hand it in. And off they went. And I sat there and I had their homework and I opened it. And it was like, there is a hero. Uh, His name is Jane. He has a problem. He has AIDS. Oh, fuck. you know, there's another one. There is a hero. His name is Jane. He has a problem. He has poverty, poor nutrition, and AIDS. I said, Oh God, these little tiny kids copied each other's homework. How much time did
3: you spend at the school before you were sucked into the Gulu action?
4: I don't remember, but I do remember that I was like, I'm going to stay here forever. It's so great. The children really love me. I'm going to be the best teacher in the world. And then I got a phone call and it was John Prendergast. He said, could you? Yeah. Okay, bye. (laughs) And you went to Gulu and he wasn't there. Immediately. And he wasn't there either. So now I'm stuck in Gulu.
3: So the unifying thing here for me is... The do-gooders, from peacemakers to volunteers, coming to this dark continent to change it and change the world. What was your perception in the beginning and at the end of your African experience?
4: At the beginning, I was desperate to become a useful person. And I thought that the people working the charities in the af- places like Africa were useful human beings. By the end of the book, I looked around at the people in this restaurant. And this was after I got back from hanging out with the then head of the Ugandan army in the north. And I realized that the hotel was owned by him. The charity workers were putting money in his pocket, drinking their drinks. They're poor people working for him. It was all part of an enormous racket. And that poverty isn't a nice little business the day you start making posters and flyers and you try to find the most tear-jerking child to say, give us money, that's it. It's there forever. You'll never get rid of it.
3: In your country of birth, the UK, there is this fascinating concept of the gap year that youngsters tend to fill up with some charity project abroad, which is basically volunteer tourism, right? And they ask people around them to finance that. How does that work?
4: Okay, so number one, you want me to give you money to pay to an organisation Organization that's supporting people on a pound a day, what? Why don't I just give them 600 pounds? And also, it's like you're only going to get laid. So it's Africa as a sort of sexy backdrop. But why don't you just go to the pub and drink more and you'll feel sexy? You don't need to go all the way to Africa for that. And number two, open your eyes. Now, there's a fantastic campaign by Scarlett Johansson to try and get people to help in this big refugee camp. This is their dream, these volunteers. So there's Scarlett Johansson, off in a land cruiser. It's perfect, with a dirty vest. And what do we look at? We look at her bouncing tits. You know, and then you, let's talk to a poor man about how poor he is. I've been here 20 years. 20 years? This isn't a refugee camp. This is an industry. It's about the fact that this place has been there 20 years. It shouldn't be inviting anyone to come there. It should burn it to the ground. I
0: hear all of them, but are there any success stories? Or is it just all one big joke?
4: I really don't know. Look, if any of the money stayed local, then great. It's like, you know, when you on a package holiday. If any of those people ever escape the hotel and go and eat in a local restaurant, success. So maybe if people go on these money-making gap year projects and manage to escape and see what's really going on, then surely that's a great thing. Or maybe they could just incubate new sexually transmitted diseases, which will lead to more and more advances in penicillin. I don't know.
0: But say uh, you, Jane Busman, was to start a charity or any organization aimed at making the world better. After all this experience, is there any way that you would recommend
4: to go about it? Yes. You can photograph yourself with 10 adorable orphans, but you have to kill one of the people who is responsible for the death of their parents. If that is the Minister of Health who denied AIDS treatment to the very poorest people until the last minute because he'd stolen all the money to buy a Mercedes, you have to track him down, hide in his wardrobe and kill him. Otherwise, you are not allowed to get on the plane at Gatwick, Uh, And you're certainly not allowed to Instagram any photograph of yourself building a bridge that nobody needs. I think if you could just even it up like that, then it'd be a really productive thing and we'd have to provide the list of the perpetrators and we'd have to be very clear about why they deserved it and you'd have to sign a form
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jane, Yeah, it's been so much fun having you and it's nice to be able to laugh I like the way you drop bombs in the middle of all of that humour you know, you say it's obviously silly but I think it's actually not that silly like some of the things you're talking about are real situations and all of that
3: with our podcast we always try to make people think and see new perspectives and maybe the angles they never thought about and when we do that with humor I think we are most successful in actually reaching people's subconscious mind show them that it's all slightly different that you might believe
2: His little feet are burning desert soil It's barely hours since the village broke down And now he's taken prisoner This little dream a village boy Dreamed of being a football star the World is mashed by army rebels. Fight a war that is not his. Kello, kello. Kello, kello. Leave me and Kello, kello.
4: Kello, kello. reminded me I need to say happy birthday to my friend Janet Akello because I didn't say happy birthday this year. So that's pretty shit that I didn't. Thank you. Me. Well, from
0: all of us here at Sea Africa, with Africa, happy birthday, Janet Okello.
3: And you know what, Kiri, when you were singing the song, I just thought of the fact that we have successfully chased this kind of violence away from Uganda and Rwanda, but that Congo is still very much in that situation. So fingers crossed, one day we won't need to sing any songs like that, but a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful one. Thank you so much.